Is your brain just filled with sports? Well, good news for you. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Big Brain Sports Podcast. Today's episode, I dive into Sunday's NBA All-Star Game, the NFL Draft, MLB Spring Training, and current news in the NHL. Big Brain Sports is sports talks for sports fans like us and fans like you. Let's get into it. What's up guys, Big Brain Sports here, back with a new segment, Fan Reacts. We have our guest from last episode coming back, Rory here, who is a huge Cowboys fan, reacting on the breaking news that Dak Prescott has signed with the Cowboys for four years, $160 million. Hey Big Brain, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very good, thanks for having me back. I I think I've told you this before, but Big Brain Sports is my favorite podcast in the whole world, so so excited to be here. I'm glad. So, we're going to talk a bit of Cowboys, one of my favorite topics. Yeah. So, Dak Prescott, literally breaking news, like I think about 20 minutes ago, it came across the wire. I so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm happy as a Cowboys fan. I, I think it's something that we had to do. I think that we saw when Dak got hurt last year that the uh, the Cowboys floundered. They really weren't a competitive team, and you know that's not a knock on Dalton. I thought Dalton did a decent job, but you need a top tier quarterback in this league. And, and when I say top tier, I'm not even saying that Dak is a, a top five six quarterback. I, I I think last time was here. I think I described him somewhere in that kind of seven to eleven range. But he does give you a chance to get in the playoffs and make something happen. And so I think it's a good it's a good move for the Cowboys. You had no other options. This is a big brain. This is a, cow, a quarterback friendly league. Don't you agree? Yes. I mean, like, like look at what people are thinking of doing for the draft this year and, and some of these off season moves. Like, like it looks like everyone's looking like not everyone, but a big chunk of teams are, are looking for quarterbacks, right? Yeah, it was like two one third of the league called for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. So that just goes to show you that. You know, if you don't have a guy who you think is a top 10 quarterback in the league, guys are looking to make a move because the league is so quarterback focused. So if you have one in the grasp and, and he's comfortable with your with your team and the offensive coordinator and your system. And and what I hear as a, as, as a fan that Dak is very well liked in the dressing room. Don't, don't you hear the same? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear he works really hard. He's, he's a real team player. Very popular. So... I think it's from the Cowboys. Did you overpay? Like now he's going to be the second highest paid quarterback in the league behind Mahomes. Is that a little bit rich? Yeah, sure. So you're going to have to, you know, make some good signings elsewhere to make up for that. But I think it's something that, you know, if the Cowboys want to win now and they seem to always kind of want to be in that win now mode, even though they kind of never really get there, it's something that I think that had to be done. And of course, the other option was a uh, franchise tag, which wouldn't have been that good because. Um, Last year, it keeps on going up um, 120%, and then you can only tag him after this year one more time, and then he'd just be a free agent. Right, and and my thing with the the franchise tag is that I think it's obviously a good option for the 
the team, but it's not a long-term solution. And, and the way players think of it, especially a quarterback, is that, oh, you're not really committed to me and I'm not the leader and I'm not your guy to, to, you know, to, to take you all the way. So I think it's limited in terms of how many times you want to use that, even even though you're allowed to. I think you mentioned you can actually do it up to three times. Yeah. But, but I don't think you want to do that if you actually really want someone to be part of your team long-term because there just ends up being like a bad taste in your mouth. So... I think the other thing you have to consider with Dak is that his age, like he's, 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 26, I think? he's still relatively young for a quarterback, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, so he, I mean, I think this is a four year deal. So it's, it's, um, he should be healthy, hopefully all, all the way through it. And, uh, you know, it's not like you're signing someone, um, who's near the end of his career. He hopefully he's still got a, a lot of good game left in him. And then what excites me about this signing is that now we can turn to the draft. Yeah, which is uh, the Cowboys are going to need some help on defense, probably, with uh, their defense being so bad last year. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a bad year for the defense. And so the Cowboys are uh, slotted into pick 10th. And as we mentioned before, because so many teams are focused on quarterbacks, a lot of like drafts, mock drafts, have like four or five quarterbacks being taken in the top seven, eight picks. And then you have some pretty good wide receivers out there. So the Cowboys if they're focused on defense, could have a lot of talented defenders available for them. What, what do you think, Big Brain? Yeah, definitely, especially because Kyle Pitts is going high, quarterbacks, uh, Jamar Chase. It's going to be an offensive heavily, heavily, eh, heavily um, probably draft in the first round and even like just top 10 picks. So the Cowboys at 10 are probably going to get a really good player, and I think they could use it on a uh, player in the secondary, either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sutton too. Yeah, so like if you're thinking like focus on defense, we might get like the second best or first best or third best, you know, in, in the top three defensive players available in the draft because I think the uh, the teams above them are going to be very focused on on the quarterbacks and a couple of the receivers out there. So that as a Cowboys fan, we we do need the help on defense. So that makes me excited. So big brain, when we get a bit closer to the draft, do you think we, I can come back and talk a little bit more about it? For sure. Okay, I'd, I'd really enjoy that. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, thanks, Big Brain. Thank you for joining us. Okay, take care. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Seventy years ago, the first NBA All-Star Game was held. And 70 years later, it looks different than the years prior. This is all because of the pandemic that's been going on for over a year now. Now, many players thought, well, the NBA, surely they won't hold an all-star game now with a pandemic going on and them just trying to keep their season going. Well, the NBA has been doing okay on COVID, but again, not great. Not near what they should be aiming to do, but they held one anyways. Players didn't want it and the fans didn't really care. All fans like voting, going on Google and putting their votes in for who they think all-stars are. And you can still do that, you still keep their titles, but the NBA decided it'd be a good idea to put their players at risk. Which doesn't make a lot of sense because it's not like they're doing, it's not like they're 100% with no COVID. They've had, def they've had some cases, but the NBA went on anyways. And I think the All-Star game was not very entertaining at all. I didn't like it. I'm sure some people definitely did like it, but I think if the NBA's main goal was to make a little bit of money off it, they succeeded, but if it was to get fan interest up, 
I don't think they did that very well. Now let's go over what happened. Giannis won the um, Kobe Bryant Trophy MVP award. Had a perfect game, 35 points in only 20 minutes. Absolutely insane. But again, it's an all-star game. No one's playing defense. People don't want to get hurt. Um, yeah, they won. Now, normally Saturday is one of the most most exciting times as an NBA fan. NBA All-Star Saturday. They have all the fun competition, the skills competition, the three-point competition, the dunk contest. Who cannot wait for that? The NBA decided to have it all on one day. Now, this might be to put it all in because of COVID, and hopefully it was because I like having that Saturday there because the All-Star game is not very entertaining. Maybe they want more people to watch the All-Star game by putting those events there. They probably just decrease viewership by doing it then. But the events themselves, the dunk contest was supposed to be the big one, and that was uh, not very good. <laughs> the dunks, you've all kind of seen them before. There's no real new creativity. The dunkers are trying their best. It just doesn't look very, very cool anymore. But the three-point contest, on the other hand, that was a good one. Skills competition, that's just like a classic one. I think that's lots of fun to watch. You can't do it repeatedly. Now, I've kind of went over the recap, but I'm going to give my opinion on something I think the NBA All-Star game can do to make it a little better. Make the three-point contest the main skills event over the dunk contest. Lots of people won't agree with that saying the dunk, con con bleh, dunk contest is the coolest one. But if you think about it, lots of NBA fans are kids and not lots of NBA fans, not lots of NBA, not kids can dunk. What can all kids do? Well, they can all try to shoot threes. What has Steph Curry done and many others? They've made the three ball something a normal, a normal thing for the NBA to do. Now it's heavy threes. It's what the Rockets were played on. Again, that didn't work because you can't go not score any twos, not go for layups. But just shooting, shooting threes has became a huge part of the NBA. Now you've got Curry pulling up from the logo. That happened back in the day. A couple like. 20 years ago, coaches would just be screaming at them. But they're good at that. But what I'm getting to here is the three-point contest anyone can participate in. Kids can actually do. You can have fun doing that. Now, me, as not the tallest person, cannot dunk. And I cannot shoot, but I can try to shoot. Trying to dunk is pretty hard it can be fun but when you do it yourself it's just hard to do and make it really entertaining when everyone's kind of seen all those dunks it's almost impossible the three-point contest i think is a super fun is super fun and i think they should make that the main event and not only that it's entertaining they add the deep three in and then they can start adding more contestants maybe in a couple years it's like the main event the main main event but that's what i would suggest to the nba as the the all-star game now again all-star games not that they're not really that important to what's going on in the league so we'll move on to the nfl and something more important 
I'm going to go over my top five quarterback prospects while we're here. Number one, I think you can all guess what it is, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. He's 6'6", 220 pounds, can read a defense, throw it deep, and can also run. Has great de- And he has great decision making. This, Trevor Lawrence, is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck, you may think of, oh, he's retired now. He was a very good quarterback prospect. I think Trevor Lawrence might be better coming out of college. He's been insane. His first year at Clemson, it was just outstanding. All three years there have been outstanding. And the first year there, it's like circle this draft class, 2021. Teams, it was already talked about in 2020. Their Patriots master plan in the offseason was to get Trevor Lawrence. Now, luckily, that didn't happen for me. I'm a Jets fan. I do not need more sadness from the Patriots being good. Don't need that. But the Jacksonville Jaguars will be good for a long time. Number two. Number two and three can be debatable. But, and I'll tell you who the debate debate Zach Wilson and Justin Fields Justin Fields I'll give you the pro why I think why I think Justin Fields could go at higher and I think Zach Wilson could go higher and then I'll give you my opinion Justin Fields played insane in the semifinals games he outplayed Trevor Lawrence that game but I think he's an up and down quarterback if you saw that game against Northwestern he could not throw the ball accurately he was just running the ball in. In the NFL, that's not going to work. You can't be, ah, unless you're Lamar Jackson-like. But Lamar, he can't win a playoff game without throwing the ball effectively. You saw against the Bills, he couldn't really throw the ball. So even though in the NFL you can have a couple bad games and you can still run the ball, as we've seen with Lamar, that doesn't work on the big stage in the playoffs. I think Justin Fields is a little inconsistent, but he can throw it deep and he can be very accurate. When he starts to get, when he, I think he's a hot and cold quarterback. When he misses his throws, he starts to get really inaccurate, and the ball comes out not great, and uh, he starts to get a little inaccurate, and when he's on, he does not miss. Zach Wilson, um, kind of the cons is played at BYU, didn't play against a good college defense, so you totally, you don't really know what you're getting into. But when looking at a quarterback, I think it's more important to look at the tape than against what defense. Because when you're playing with, when you're looking at a quarterback, it's, you're not looking at like the whole team. Again, when you play against a better defense, it's going to be harder. But he has, he's very powerful and he's quick on his feet. And in 11 games in college, he had 3,200 and 67 passing yards, and he completed 73.2% of his throws and had 30 touchdowns with only three picks. Again, the defense isn't that good, so you could say the stats aren't that important, but I think Zach Wilson is a touch better than Justin Fields only for the reason that I think he looks better right now. Justin Fields has played better teams. I'm going off more the look of how they play because if you're going off who's played better teams they both look pretty good you'd go Justin Fields for sure I think a quarterback it's more important their mechanics and how they look while playing for a team 
Obviously, Trevor Lawrence looks very good and played against good defenses and puts up crazy numbers. Number four, Trey Lance, North Dakota State. This is a risky one, but I still think he can be very, very good. This year, Trey Lance only played one game because of COVID. He went 13 of 15 for 149 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But he throws one of the best deep balls out of, out, out of any quarterback in this draft. He's special, he is poised in the pocket and throws the ball with an ex excellent base. That is very important when looking at a quarterback is how they throw in the excellent base, which is why Trey Lance is fourth on my list. Number five, Mac Jones. Again, in the national championship game, Mac Jones went off against an okay Ohio State defense, 36 of 45, 464 yards, five touchdowns, very good. He did have Devontae Smith in there going off to help him with that. But I think Mac Jones can be an early second round pick who'd be very good, kind of like a Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Again, the Eagles situation was pretty weird, but I think he's not gonna be a starter next year, but I think he can be very, very good in the future. Now, moving on, my, my favorite football team, the New York Jets, were bad this year. But coming with bad teams, you always get a good overall pick. Unless you're the Texans, of course. The poor Texans <laughs> traded their, they didn't, no one thought this was gonna happen, but we're here. <sighs> the Texans, can't believe Bill Bryan so bad. Anyways, getting off track. <laughs> the Jets, what I think they should do, they have a second overall pick. They basically have two options. They trade Darnold or they keep him. And in that keep Darnold option, you have with, go with number two, you pick an offensive lineman, or number two, you pick a wide receiver. You could even pick Kyle Pitts, but I think that's reaching a bit on him. I think the Jets should trade their pick. I think with this quarterback draft and two really good quarterbacks, because we're basically saying Lawrence is gonna go first, no matter what. A million percent chance he goes first. Justin Fields and Zach Wilson are very good. So the problem is some teams are saying, if they look at it, if the Jets are trying to trade their pick, they're gonna stick with Darnold. So that means that the Dolphins aren't gonna pick a quarterback, and then the Falcons might, and then we trade up for five. So why do we want the second overall pick? So the Jets, they may not want, they may not get offers to move up to two because it may be too high for teams. It might be too high of a price. But if their offer, if the right offer is there, I think the Jets should pull the trigger because I feel like you get a lot. Again, it's the second overall pick in the draft. You get the second best player. I think they could get a lot. I don't think their team is not good. They need more players than one really good one. And hopefully they sign Marcus May because we don't need more players to leave. So let's get started. Number one, Kyle Pitts. Now, again, tight end. I think he plays amazing physical. And if the Jets trade down, maybe to um, eight, I don't know. Eight might seem, eight may not seem total. Maybe Carolina would want, Carolina could see maybe one go. Let's say Kyle Pitts is still there. I think the Jets should take him. He can be, he's an amazing tight end, but not only that, he can be a slot wide receiver with his big frame and he's decently fast. Um, 
Patrick Sutton, I think that um, he's a very, very good cornerback. Maybe the top in the draft class, Clay, Caleb Farley, probably a little better, but I like Patrick Sutton's game style. Rashawn Slater, I think if the Jets trade down, this is a perfect one. Penny Sewell is probably gonna go higher, but I think Slater, you could argue, is better than Sewell. I think Sewell is better, but there's definitely an argument there, and I think Slater is a little bit of an underrated. He, If you watch his, uh, you should go watch, if you're interested in Slater, go watch his game against Chase Young. Devontae Smith, I, um, that's one of my favorite prospects in the draft from Alabama. He had an insane season last year. That is it for my, I guess you could say I also like Najee Harris, but I just want the Jets to take a running back too because our last running back is gone, who we paid massive money to. But those are my favorite prospects, and with the draft coming up, um, it's going to be very, very exciting. But that's in the future. What is also in the future, but coming soon, is the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, not coming to Toronto soon, but... The games are coming soon. Big discussion here is going to be, can they win the AL East? They're not favorites at all. Now, the AL East may be one of the strongest divisions in baseball. I'm not saying they're the strongest, the Dodgers division. You, you can take that. But you have the Yankees, whose team stacked. You have the Rays, who lost really good players, but their depth is so good. They're going to be there. And then you have the Jays. They made the expanded playoffs. You could count it if you want. It technically counts. I don't. I wouldn't count it. They were in the playoffs for literally less than 24 hours before getting smacked by the Rays. They've signed George Springer, one of the best players in the offseason. Simeon, but they have like almost no starting pitching. I think it's a little hopeful to think they're going to win the AL East this year. I think they can be a playoff contender. But if you look at their division, I think the Yankees are better than them. The Jays can get lucky some games, but this isn't that 60-game season. This is almost, this is over 100 games at least. See if it, like, goes up or down from the number. But you can't just get lucky to go. The better teams are probably going to do better. And the Yankees have a better roster. Again, you could get, the Yankees could get unlucky and get injuries, and I think the Jays can go up from there, but it's going to be tough for the Jays to win the AL East and even make a playoff spot because their division's so good, and you play, when you play them so many times, it's going to be tough. I am hopeful, though, and I will predict they'll win it. I'm just saying it's definitely going to be tough. Now, moving on. Who are the MLB favorites? First, uh, let's go with the obvious one, the Dodgers. They got Trevor Bauer. They won the World Series. <laughs> That's almost all you had to know. Got one. They got a Cy Young winner, and they won the World Series last year. Next, the Padres in the same division. Yeah, and they're very good. They got Tatis up in the. They've got Tatis, and their pitching staff is is deep and good. And they can definitely make a run. If they weren't in the Dodgers um, division, I think they could, like, I think that they could easily be meet them in the finals. But I think they're going to go have to go through a wild card series. And with the wild card, you never know. Anything could happen. The White Sox. First postseason birth since 2008. 
The White Sox with their young core, they can definitely do something. Uh, Keuchel and Lynn are very good, and also, oh, Gilliard, I can't pronounce, Gilito, I think, Lucas Gilotto, I can't pronounce his name, but a one, two, three punch, their damage, again, I think all World Series teams, you have to be able to do damage one through nine, and Liam Kendricks has been amazing, um, I think that team can definitely do something, especially with a good bullpen. The Yankees. Now, for the Yankees, it's been a quiet offseason for them because they, um, they're used for signing the best free agents with all their money. But with no injuries, this team has one of the best rosters, and they can, they can go up with the Dodgers with that. Garrett Cole is bound to have a better year. He had a pretty good year last year. He's gonna, I think he's going to have a better one getting in there with the Yankees. And... I think that the Yankees are definitely, I think they're the AL favorite. The Braves, so close, so close to beating the Dodgers last year. And then, like the city of Atlanta, they kind of choked it away. But they can come back this year, come back stronger, and come win. Only problem, Mike Sokoko, Soroka, sorry. Um, Ace Mike Soroka. He tore his right Achilles tendon. So we don't know if he's gonna be back for opening day, but he will join a very good pitching staff. Next, moving on to the NHL Canadian division. This has been a great division so far um, for Canada. Again, teams say, oh, the Leafs are on top because it's the worst. It's not a bad division. You can see any team can kind of win. But let's get started. The Leafs. As I'm recording this, they're on a two-game losing streak against Vancouver. Did not play great in those games. But before that, they beat the Oilers three in a row, three in a row letting up one goal. McDavid scored zero points. Zero points from one of the best from the best player in the NHL. How good was the Leafs' defense? Well, not only that, the goaltending was really good. Anderson, their starter, let up the only goal. Hutchinson and Campbell both got shutouts. And they played really, really good. And how could... So, Leafs fans are probably thinking, huh, they played good defense. Now, it came back and it didn't really... Uh, the last two games did not go well. Lost two lost two in a row to Vancouver did not play great Matthews hasn't scored what seems like forever for him because he was hurt but after coming up back from that wrist injury I'm sure he'll find his goal scoring mojo but probably um, not as often as it was at the start because he was just playing out of his mind now again thinking, oh, the Leafs are on top by a decent amount with those losses. Not too much, but they're still ahead by a little. Who are their biggest Stanley Cup? Who is their biggest Stanley Cup threat? I think the biggest one you can find is Tampa, especially if Kucherov gets back. That team is loaded, and if Kucherov gets back, that's going to be tough. The Bruins, again, very good team. 
I think that they're going to be super tough to beat. The Avalanche. Probably well, my my favorite. That's who I would pick to win the Cup coming into this year. They performed pretty good. And I think McKinnon in the playoffs is going to get something done. Um, say the Golden Knights, definitely. The Hurricanes. There are lots of teams that the Leafs would have to beat. Again, the system's weird. They, If you win your conference, it would go into a Final Four. If you think about it, it's kind of like the March Madness Final Four, which is, but instead of 64, it's 16. <clears throat> um, speaking of the Canadian division, again, the Oilers struggled. I wouldn't be so worried about that. They were pretty frustrated, but I wouldn't be uh, very worried about that. Surprising teams. First, Lightning and Stars haven't been doing as well. Um, I wouldn't totally worry about that. Again, for the Stars, I'd be doing, I would be a little more worried. Again, for the Lightning, they are winning their division. But what I mean by not doing well is at the start of the season, they were not playing well. Again, they're playing super well now, which is why I said don't really worry. But I would say it's surprising how they stayed at the start. They've come back, but it's a little bit of a warning sign for Tampa. Because you would think they'd be dominating their division. That's okay. And they'd just be dominating it. Again, I only say surprising because of how they started. They've been playing really well. And again, they're in first. So it's not like, oh, they're in first. How's that surprising? I'm just saying how they started was surprising. But coming out of it, they've been like the least surprising team. I would say. But they're still on my list at number five of my surprising. Just because how they started. And coming back in, I would just say how they started. Number four on my surprising team would be the Winnipeg Jets. This is just after trading line A. And lots of people said, oh, that's such a bad trade. They got a second line center, which they desperately needed. It was not that bad of a trade. Second in the Canadian division. And they've been very good over their last stretch. Seven and three over their last 10. And they've been very, very good. And Winnipeg is definitely a contender with Toronto to win the North. Number three on my list, the Florida Panthers. They've been good for a mediocre team, you would think. And that central division has a lot of surprises who are throwing their weight where you wouldn't think they really would be this NHL season. And it's been very, it's been different to see. Um, number two. The Blackhawks, I thought they were rebuilding. They were fourth in the Central, playing well. I I can't believe it. Patrick Kane's playing at almost an MVP. Well, yeah, he's an MVP candidate level. The Blackhawks are surprising a lot of people who, well, I thought, too, going into more of a rebuilding mode. They may be in the playoffs, and they may be competing. And my most surprising team, the Dallas Stars. I thought they were going to be better than this. It is not good. Again, even with, at the start, they have games at hand. They only have 19 points in 20 games. That's not good. For a team that just that made it to the Stanley Cup one year ago, that is not good at all. I think it's a little embarrassing for them. But... Those are my surprising teams, according to me. Again, you could have opinions. I think the most controversial one is Tampa. 
just because they are doing so well. But I think it's a little surprising how they started. And, uh, yeah, I would just say that's the surprising thing. Most of these teams are in the central because I just think that division is going so weirdly. And, um, yeah. That's why that it would be my NHL recap. And before I end it, I just want to talk about NHL. The NHL is not doing great to COVID. Lots of players have it. But they were doing better than before with the Stars postponing almost every game. But they aren't doing 100%. And lots of players are still on the COVID list. So hopefully that improves for the NHL. So we can get to the playoffs and see some very, very good games. That's it for NHL Recap this week. And that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Brain Sports Podcast. If you love Big Brain Sports Talk, then I've got you covered. Well, have new episodes ready every other week and tune in next time for more NHL free agency talk and also more NHL, MLB, and NBA sports talk. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media and our website at mybigbrainsports.com and on social media is Big Brain Sports. And remember, Big Brain Sports is sports talks for sports fans like you and me. See you next time. Big Brain Sports out.